Well, this morning we're in week five of this series uh, that we're doing that is called Jesus is Far Greater. Jesus is Far Greater. And we're actually closing out this series today. But we've learned that if you read the book of Hebrews with this idea in mind that the writer is trying to get across to us and the readers and the people that he's writing to, uh, if, if you read the book of Hebrews, you will begin to see and understand that he's making the point, he's proving the point, he's reminding them and us that Jesus is far greater than anyone, he's far greater than anything, he's the far greater person to follow, he's the far greater way to live our lives, and so we've been focusing on that, talking uh, about that for the last several weeks, and again, we're going to close out here uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, I appreciate Parker Hutchison, uh, one of our board members, for uh, reading our scripture for us this morning. We're going to go through it again real quickly and just kind of talk a little bit about what it means to us, what it means to you, and uh, listen closely to what God wants to speak into our lives today. But here in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 18, I don't know about your Bibles, but my Bible has... Uh, headings over different passages of Scripture, and the headings uh, over this passage in my Bible, uh, this passage refers to two different mountains. Uh, The headings in my Bible call them the mountain of fear and the other the mountain of joy. And so let's pick it up here again, uh, starting at verse 18. The writer says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Now we need to understand the context of what's being talked about here. The reference is to Mount Sinai, where Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments. And there was this awesome display of God's power. And so that's what the the writer is referring to here in this passage of Scripture. This first mountain that he speaks to is Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Continue on verse 21. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a Better word, a far greater word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens." The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful 
And so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so what's taking place here is we see this comparison that's being made between two mountains. Mount Sinai, or the mountain of fear where the Ten Commandments were given. And now Mount Zion, or the mountain of joy, or God's new mountain, if you will, that Jesus ushered in when He came to this earth and He died for our sins and was buried and rose again. This morning, uh, before we get started, I want you to think back to when you were a kid. And for the young people, and man, I love, I got my friends up here again on the front rows and got their notepads out and they're taking notes. Y'all need to teach your parents how to do that. But uh, they're ready this morning for the word. But I, I want you to think back to when you were a kid, and it's not hard for them, but as a kid, did you remember that everything just seemed bigger? When you were a kid, everything just seemed so, so big and so huge. I, I, I can remember when, when I was a kid, uh, I stayed with my grandparents a lot during the summer. And I can remember thinking how big, you know, their house was and how big their yard was. Their yard was huge. And the reason that I, I knew their yard was huge is because I mowed their yard for them in the summer. That's what I did. It was, it was my job. And, and back then, kids, I don't know what y'all get paid to mow the yard now. If you're not getting paid, you need to go on strike. But I don't know what y'all get paid now to mow a yard. But back then, we got five bucks to mow this huge yard. I mean, it, was, it took days to mow it. And I thought this yard was so huge. Now I drive past their old house that's still standing there. And I look at it, and I'm like, you know what? That yard is not very big at all. Matter of fact, that yard's kind of small. My wife has flower beds bigger than my grandparents' yard, right? It just looked big to me when I was a kid. It was the perspective that I, I had when I was young and when I, I was small. Well, in this series, we've been talking about the importance of understanding just who this letter was written to. It was written to the Hebrews. It was written to Jews who had converted to Christianity and become followers of Christ. And at the end of this great letter to them, the writer again is, you know, appealing to the fact that spiritually they were still really immature. Uh, they were beginning to drift. They were beginning to go back to things that were comfortable to them. They were beginning to go back to their old way of, of trying to have a relationship with God that involved obeying all these laws and rules and, and all these rituals and the temple work and, and all that kind of stuff. And so the writer, we, we saw earlier in this series a couple of weeks ago where he's talking about they're still on the milk and that we need to, you know, graduate from being on milk to, to being on, on meat and maturing in that matter. But he's, he's still telling them, you know, you know, you're still small, you're still immature, and, and you're still viewing the things of the past as it's this huge thing, that it's this great big thing. Meaning for them that the law, the old law, the old covenant, the old way of doing things still appeared to be massive. And they had their focus on these things. In the minds of these Jews, Mount Sinai and Moses and this heritage and tradition, you see, it's ingrained in who they are. It's in their identity of who they are. And they can't seem to move on to Jesus 
the freedom that Jesus offered and this new covenant that took place of their old covenant and their old laws. So here's Jesus. He's come. He's died. He's been buried. He rose again. He's enough. He's far greater. There's no doubt about it, but they just can't seem to see it. They can't seem to, to grasp it. Why? Because here's the deal. It, again, it's who they were. Their great, 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 great grandpa was there at the Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. When Moses went up the mountain, their, their relatives were there. When Moses came down, their relatives were there. They experienced the lightning and the, the thunder and the terror and the trembling and the power of God in that moment and the fear that went along with that. Uh, just to take a look at the dramatic language that describes this, uh, I want to go back to Exodus 20 real, real quick, verse 18. It says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. And don't miss this last statement here. They stayed at a distance. I want you to, to remember that this morning. At, at Mount Sinai, they, they were afraid and they stayed at a distance. But now a new day has come. A new day has dawned. And Mount Sinai, the writer is trying to explain to us, is now a small mountain. Right? It, 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 it's, it, it's small. It's no longer big. Mount Sinai is now a small story in the light of Jesus Christ and the story of Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you think that mountain was impressive, if you think what took place on Mount Sinai was a, a big deal, you need to stop and you need to check out Mount Zion. You need to come to Mount Zion and, and see it because Mount Zion is so different from the mountain that you know about. The story of Mount Zion is far greater than the story of Mount Sinai. Think back again to when you were a kid. Uh, do you remember when you were small? Did anybody ever pick you up and put you on their, your, their shoulders so that you were real high. Did they ever do that? I mean, maybe your dad or grandpa or maybe an uncle or maybe an aunt or mom, you know, picked you up and put you on uh, their shoulders. And, and now when you're up there looking around, you're so much taller than everybody else. Your per perspective changes. You're up there and you're looking down and you felt like you were on top of the world. Basically, the book of Hebrews is Jesus telling the Jews, get on my shoulders. Get on my shoulders because there's a whole different view out there that I want you to see and to experience. So you can see past that small mountain that you've been focused on and see the big one, see the far greater one who is Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament. And these people, they would have been so familiar with Old Testament prophets, Old Testament scripture. They would have had, you know, they would have had a lot of that scripture memorized and things that the Old Testament prophets said. They would have known. They would have been taught as little children. And so, uh, but in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was a great Old Testament prophet. And he prophesied, that there was a day coming when a different kind of mountain would appear. 
Years and years and years prior to any of this ever taking place, the prophet introduces a new mountain. Mount Sinai was the only mountain of great meaning to them for thousands of years. But listen to this prophecy of Isaiah. It's so good. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It says, in the last days, this is Old Testament now. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. And listen, all nations will stream to it. So Mount Sinai, where the greatest act of God in human history had taken place before, there will come another mountain that will dwarf that mountain, the prophet Isaiah says. And it came. It came. The prophecy was fulfilled. That mountain came, and it came with power. It was a new mountain. It was a new day. This prophecy of Isaiah is talking about Jesus Christ. And not only Jesus Christ, but it's talking about the new church age to come. The new church age that would follow the church of Acts chapter 2. You see the modern day church. The church of the future. The church that you and I are part of right now. It's speaking to this time. That's how big of a deal this new mountain is. Y'all aren't near excited about it. All right? This is a big deal. Y'all need to understand how big of a deal. I've already started sweating. Some of you are out there wrapped in a blanket. I don't even understand. But, let, but let's go back and look and see where this began. It began in the New Testament where this new age, this new mountain all began. Acts chapter 2. You, you all know it, but we'll put it on the screen. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So just like Mount Sinai, all right? Just like the old mountain, just like Mount Sinai, there is this great demonstration of the power of God. There is this supernatural thing taking place, and there's no doubt about it, right? Now skipping down to verse 5 there. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, listen, from every nation under heaven. Now what did Isaiah say? say? He had said hundreds and hundreds of years before, listen, all nations are going to stream to this mountain. All nations are going to come to this mountain. And the scripture goes on, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together. Now remember, when the great sound and the trembling and all that that took place on Sinai, Mount Sinai occurred, the thundering of God's voice, the lightning, the terror, you remember the trembling? What happened? The people did what? They stayed at a distance, remember? They stayed at a distance and they shook with fear. Even Moses, it says here in our scripture, Moses was even afraid. But when Mount Zion is established on the earth, there's another demonstration. There's a, a roaring sound. There's supernatural. But what happens? The nations come together. You notice that? The nations come together. Verse 6 in the New Living Translation, I love what it says. It says, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Everyone came running. At Mount Sinai, you keep your distance. You're in awe. You're afraid. But you're in awe. You're in awe in a sense of terror and fear, and you won't go near it. That's why you wouldn't approach it, Right? But this new mountain, Mount Zion, which is Jesus in the new church age, listen, it's so magnetic. 
It's so captivating that people are coming to it. They're running to it. Even the non-believers here, they don't even know what's going on, but they're physically running to this new mountain to see what's going on because they're drawn to this new mountain, Mount Zion, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. On Mount Sinai, one man went up. Moses was the only one allowed to go up. Only one got to go up in this new mountain, Mount Zion. We all go up, amen? We, we all go up. It's about going up, not going down. Mount Sinai, one goes up. Mount Zion, we all go up. We all have an opportunity to go up to that new mountain. It says in Micah, again, Old Testament. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the, here it is again, highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will what? Stream to it. They're coming. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's almost identical to what the prophet Isaiah had prophesied as well, right? It's trying to teach us about Mount Zion. Why? So you and I will boldly go up, right? And this isn't the first time we've seen this. A few weeks ago, we saw that we are to approach the throne of God. We are to approach Mount Zion with boldness. Let's go up. Friends, this world that we're living in, I don't know if you noticed, but it's getting darker by the day. <laughs> it's getting darker by the day, but you know what? Our mountain is getting brighter. Our mountain is getting brighter. The prophecy has already been fulfilled. It's continuing to be fulfilled, and it's going to happen even more on this earth in the days ahead. Because there is only one place that this world can go. There's only one place that in this world you can go up. There's only one place that we can go up. Everything else in this world that this world has to offer is going to keep us down. Everything else that this world has to offer is going to drag us down and take us down. But there is one place and there's one group of people that is the lighthouse of this world. And it's there. And only there that people can go up. I, I want you to notice the nature of these two mountains. Again, one is fearful. One is terror. Separation. There's distance. The other mountain, this one is magnetic and joyful. And there's power. And there's grace. And there's love. And there's acceptance. And it appeals to all groups of people. Every nation. Not just the Jews. Amen. I've, we've got some people that are coming to be baptized this morning. And y'all go ahead and come now if you don't mind. And get ready for that. And I'll try to finish up as quick as I can. And we'll get to that baptism. Four awesome young people that have accepted Christ because we're all welcome. We're all accepted. Now look again at what Hebrews chapter 12 says again there in verse 22 and 23. Listen, it says, but you, he's talking to us, talking to you this morning. This word is for you. 
It's not for them. It's for you. But you have come to Mount Zion. You're, you're there this morning. This is where we're at. We're gathered on Mount Zion this morning. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Everybody say joyful assembly. Well, I'll try it sometime. It's awesome. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Look at the nature of our mountain today. Do you know why people are going to stream to it? Do you know why people are drawn to it? Because on that mountain, my friends, they're going to hear laughter. They're going to hear celebration. From that mountain, they're going to hear the hope that we have. They're going to hear this joyful assembly of the church. And no, we are not Mount Zion, but friends, we are a small piece of Mount Zion that's gathered here today. Amen? They will hear our celebration. They will hear our hope. They will see our love for one another. And they will come. When we invite people to come to be Christians and to accept Jesus, what are we inviting them to? Are we inviting them to terror? Are we inviting them to separation? Are we inviting them to, to Mount, si, uh, Mount Sinai? Am I saying that right? I just Sinai, that's right. Am I Sinai, is that right? Where have I gone? What have I done? <laughs> it's the same thing, right? That's probably where we get the word Sinai from. Are, are we inviting them to that? Are we inviting them to death? Are we inviting them to ter- terror? No. That's Mount Sinai. The writer here is saying, move on. Mount Sinai's in the past and it's not good. Matter of fact, if you look back at Mount Sinai where there's separation and there's terror and there's fear and there's trembling, boy, that sounds to me like a life on this earth without God. That sounds like separation from God. And that is not his desire is to be separated from us. His desire is to be in a relationship with us, not to be separated So to be separated from God, let me tell you something. If you're here today and you're separated from God, right now you're living hell on earth and you know it. You're living it out every day. You talk about life being like hell to you. Well, it could be because you're separated from God and that's exactly what hell's going to be. Separation from God. And so when we invite people to become followers of Jesus, we're not inviting them to that kind of life. We're not inviting them to that way of living. We invite them to Mount Zion. We invite them to the place where there's celebration, where there is joy, where there is hope, where we're going up in life. Amen? Not being drugged down. Listen, this is not about optimism. This isn't a Mother's Day sermon where I'm trying to make everybody feel good. This isn't about that. This is who our Savior is. This is who He is. This is what he does. This is anchored in who our God is, and it's also anchored in what this place is, which is the house of God. Amen? This is Mount Zion. This is a place where we go up. This is where we pick each other up. This is where God lifts us up together as his family. This is a house of hope. This is what we are about. This is what should define us 
as a church today, we are Mount Zion people. That's who we are. Some of you are here today and you're like, Steve, you you don't have a clue. You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea what I've been through. You don't know what, you don't have any idea the pain that I have in my heart today. And, and you're exactly right. I don't know. But here's what I do know you're here. You're here, amen. And scripture says that they will come streaming to Mount Zion, they'll come running to it. And you're here today. That there's a, a, a day coming, right? And it's here, it's here already. That people will see the joy and see the hope and see the grace and experience the love. And they will come running. They're going to come streaming to it. And our churches better be ready for it. And friends, listen, here's the deal. It is not about us. It is about our King. It is about Jesus Christ. It is about Mount Zion. This is what we are about. Up is the word that should describe our church today. Always picking people up. Always looking up from where our help comes from. Always going up in this life. And when you come to this church, when you come to this family, you should always leave here feeling up. And you say, well, wait a minute, Steve. It's not about that. You sound like Joel Olstein. Go to... I don't. <clears throat> His teeth cost more than my farm, all right? <laughs> psalmist says, and I'm sorry, if you like Joel Osteen, God bless your heart. Uh, the psalmist says in chapter 61 and verse 2, he said, From the ends of the earth I call you. Where's he calling us to? I call as my heart grows faint. Anybody there? Lead me to the rock. Lead me to that mountain that is higher, that is far greater than I. You know what people need? They need a new mountain today. They need a new mountain because the mountain of finances, the mountain of, uh, of debt, the mountain of, of building a reputation, the mountain of trying to be liked by everybody, the uh, people are trying to climb mountains in the business world to get to the top. But let me tell you something. When you get to the top of those mountains, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. There's one mountain that people truly desire. And we all desire. It's built within us. It's our nature. We're made to be drawn to a mountain. And there's one mountain that people really desire if they'll admit it. And it's the Hebrews chapter 12 version that says it's Jesus. It's Mount Zion. That's the one that people are drawn to. No reason Jesus said when he was here, come to me if you're weary. He said, come to me if you're tired. He said, come to me if you're overwhelmed. He said, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. In other words, I want you to think about what he's saying this morning. He's saying to us today, climb up on my shoulders. Climb up on my shoulders. I want you to see this. I I want you to know this. I want you to experience this. Lead me to the rock who is Jesus Christ. He's the mountain that is higher than myself. Do you feel overwhelmed by the world sometimes? Well, I'm glad that you came to church today because we specialize 
and overwhelm people. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you today that your struggles, your diagnosis, your pain, your weakness, and your drama is small in comparison to the mountain. So today, if you feel overwhelmed, you've come to the right place. Because I want to invite you to your place on that mountain, on that rock, that is better, that is bigger, and far greater than where you've been. Far greater than whatever it is that you're going through right now. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you today so much for that love and for your son, Jesus Christ. The reason that he came, the reason you sent your son to go through what he went through was for me. For everyone sitting in this room here today, for every person that might be listening online. Mount Zion is for us. It's for us to go up where there's joy and peace and hope and love and restoration, forgiveness, hope. Why in the world would we focus on any other mountain? We know it's because the world is trying to get us to focus on things that are going to take us down and drag us down. But God... Help us to go up. Help us to stay focused on you and what you've done for us and what you've promised us and what we've been called to. And God, I thank you today. We're, we're seeing you work in our church. There's no denying. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, there's no doubt that God is at work in the lives of our church family right now we're, we're living it we're living Mount Zion and we've had four people come today that want to make a public profession of their journey up the mountain to make a public profession of their faith in Jesus and that they believe your word to be true they believe who you are to be true and they're young people. And that's what's awesome about this. None of this is complicated. It's not hard. It's so simple that a child can understand it. And these children come today with big faith. Trusting you. We got some old folks sitting here today that could learn from these kids. So I'm going to trust your Holy Spirit to do its work today because I know you are. I know that you're work at work. And I believe with all my heart that there are people streaming, running to you in this moment. There be someone here today that has never accepted you. I pray that today would be the day that they would fully surrender their life to you. Accept these promises that you have for them. And acknowledge that you are far greater than anything or anyone else.
and that live your life for you. God, I pray for those in our church that are hurting, that are sick, that are battling cancer. You know every situation. We've got a long list. Today I want to specifically pray for Ron and Wanda Riddle's granddaughter. Their family experienced a tragic, tragic accident yesterday. And I just pray that you would be with them in a special way. Be with that little girl that will be affected by this day for the rest of her life. Pray that good would come from this tragedy. I know that family uh, trusts you. I just pray that you'd give them an extra portion of your presence today and in the days ahead. God, we love you. And I am not ashamed to say it. Thank you for your love for me, for this church. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to continue, uh, which is kind of a celebration today. And I'm going to ask Sonny Bill as he makes his way down, as he comes to be baptized today. And we always talk that baptism is an, an outward sign of an inward change. And so Sonny's been a, a very faithful member of our youth group. He's going to Florida with us this summer in camp. And man, uh, we've got to know each other very well. And he is a hoot. To hang out with if you know Sonny. And so uh, this morning, Sonny, do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he lives in your heart? Oh, yep. He's pretty excited about that. All right. Well, this morning I baptize you, Sonny, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I hope these mics can get wet because I, I didn't bring a towel. Sorry. Uh, but we also now want to ask uh, Dominic. Uh, this is Dominic Halverson. And, uh, man, they've had a, an exciting couple of weeks. Dominic's coming today to be baptized. John's home. Good to see you, John, to, to be here. And, man, just lots of excitement in the Halverson house. Uh, I think we can all celebrate that. And so, Dominic, do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he lives in your heart? Sorry, that's, that's your stomach, your heart. My bad. Well, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, it is a big day for their family because not only is Dominic being baptized, but his little brother Logan is coming to be baptized as well. Come on down, Logan. I had an opportunity last Sunday to talk to Logan about the decision that he made. And uh, he, is, he is as sure as his brother is that he's a follower of God. He's accepted Christ into his heart and life. And Logan, what a blessing it is to be able to be baptized today with your brother. And this great day for your family on Mother's Day. And I just want to ask you one more time. Have you accepted Christ to, to live in your heart? You asked him to forgive you of your sins. Amen. You're a child of God, and it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
And now the lady of the bunch, Miss Caroline Meek. What a blessing. I know this family is excited. I've been talking to them for a few weeks about this day, and I know that Caroline's excited about it. Caroline, let me ask you, have you accepted Christ into your heart? You asked him to forgive you of your sins, and you are a child of God. And she's coming to make this public profession of faith in front of all of her church family and children's church kids are back there to support you. And I'm so excited today to be able to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Not only that today, but these young kids that have come, their families are all members of our church. And so upon their profession of faith, they join their family as official members of the church as well. Sonny Beal, who was baptized first, uh, came and not only made uh, his faith uh, public, but he also wants to join the church along with his mom, Sue Ermy. Would you stand with us, please? Would y'all accept them into the membership of the church this morning? Amen. So exciting. They've been going here for like five years, and so we just made it official. Everybody knows Sue. She is a, she's got a servant's heart, and she works hard around the church. Some of you that are not members, uh, five years is not the, how long you have to go. Uh, I'd love to talk with you anytime. God's good, Amen. All right, let's close together. Would you stand with me as we are reminded of who we are today through our benediction? Would you please read it with me this morning? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen and amen. I love you guys so much. God bless you all.